Definitely excited to be back. Glad to see everybody. It's been such a interesting, interesting season for all of us. And I love the theme that we're talking about this month, talking about, you know, we're going up, right? In a world where everybody's talking about going down, we are going up. Come on, in a world that likes to point out all of our problems and all of our issues and all of our circumstances, we stand separate saying we are. Listen, I'm not a part of the system that says we got to go down. Because here's the truth. Some people right now are going up. And I want to be one of the ones that are going up. And so I love picking this because I think sometimes as human beings, right? We are believers, but how many of you know we're also humans? And sometimes we listen to teachings and sometimes we listen to Facebook, (laughs) right? And sometimes we can forget that we are not a part of this world system. That there are some, sure, that are governed by the news and by the things and the reports And listen, I'm not here to pretend that what we're going through isn't real or it hasn't been challenging. But the truth is, we don't have to be victims to a ever downwardly spiraling system. That there's a truth in the word of God that offers us a way up. And in the third week of this series, um, the title of my message today is this. It says, when up feels like down. (laughs) Went up. You know, it hasn't quite turned the corner yet to feeling like of. So I want to spend some time in the book of Habakkuk. Okay. Now I got to give you a warning. This book isn't necessarily for everybody. That's mostly why you never hear anybody say we're going to preach from the book of Habakkuk because You know, I wish that I was able to spend more time in it because the book of Habakkuk, you know, it goes a certain way, but it doesn't go the way that a lot of us want to think that life goes. And I think that if I was to retitle the book of Habakkuk, I would say it's the book of when up, feels like down. And so we're introduced to this prophet. He's a minor prophet. His name is Habakkuk, and he lives 600 years before Jesus eventually is going to enter the scene. And for those of you who've read through the Old Testament, you understand that there's a typical role that a prophet in the Old Testament would have, and that is is that they would typically go away somewhere, and they would hear from the Lord, and they would speak to the people— on behalf of God, right? This is a very familiar thing is a prophet would show up on the scenes and they would say, this Israel is what the sovereign Lord would have to say to you. Now, the book of Habakkuk is different because it's not God using Habakkuk to speak to the people. It's actually Habakkuk on behalf of the people speaking to God. Okay, now this makes the book very interesting, and I feel that it makes it very relevant to our life at present in the craziness of what's happening in the world, and that is that it's a very raw, it's a very real, 
It's a book that is just full of this intense emotion. I mean, if you've ever had the opportunity to read through it, you'll see Habakkuk is, for lack of better terminology, pouring out his guts at the injustices and the challenges that the world is facing. You'll see him say things like, God, why won't you do something? You see him crying out for the injustice like, God, this doesn't seem fair. And really, in the the first two chapters of the book of Habakkuk, because there's only three chapters, the first two chapters is this essentially long lament. You know, it's for us to make it easy for us to read. It's broken up into kind of minor complaints of this general overarching complaint that Habakkuk is not pleased with what's happening. And God then enters the scene, again, for a lack of time, I'm going to skip through chapter one and chapter two and give you God's general response, which is, listen, Habakkuk, I'm going to amaze you. I'm going to do something that you won't believe that's so good that you could never even ask for it. This is how I'm going to answer your prayer. The Babylonians are going to destroy you. (laughs) And in chapter one, we see this, this wondering. This, what I would call a crisis of belief, right? This moment that each of us face, probably daily, when we know that God, we believe that God can do something, but often in the moment, it seems as though he doesn't or he isn't. In chapter two, we kind of experience this season of waiting in the life of Habakkuk. Well, you know, there's one statement he makes in chapter two. It says this, that though it linger, though the the breakthrough, though the prosperity, the deliverance lingers, he encourages people to wait for it. That you can't force it, but you also can't stop it. That God moves sovereignly and he encourages people to wait for it and But then in chapter 3, the tone changes. Now, this is what what I believe that most people don't preach out of Habakkuk chapter 3, is that the tone in chapter 3 does not change because God steps in and changes the circumstances. It says this actually, the last verse in chapter 2, chapter 2 verse 20 says this, but the Lord. So Habakkuk is lamenting. He doesn't like what's happening with the Israelites. There's injustice. They're not following the Torah. They're kind of living this free-for-all. There's corruption inside of Israel's leadership. And at the same time, there's armies that are rising up in strength around him. And he's lamenting to God, but he makes this statement, but the Lord is in his temple. Let all the earth be silent for him. And, And I would submit that chapter three is almost a reset that Habakkuk is inviting us into. That though he is confused, he is trusting. That though he is unsettled at what is happening in this promised nation that he lives in, he is embracing the nature of this good father. In fact, if you read commentaries on the book of Habakkuk, the, 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 the central theme or focus of the book of Habakkuk is our ability to embrace the goodness of God in seasons of challenge or crisis. 
So like I said, chapter 3 suggests this reset, right? He's lamenting, he's complaining, he's troubled. And Habakkuk chapter 3 verse 1 says this, a prayer of Habakkuk the prophet. Okay, so he's, he's kind of getting ready to turn the tides on, you know, I've been complaining and now there is this prayer of the prophet Habakkuk. But then right before we get into the prayer, it, it says, makes this statement. It says, on Shijanoth. Turn to your neighbor and say, Shijanoth. Right? You're not swearing. Don't worry. It's not like a swear word in some other country. Now, this word Shijanoth is, is very important. And, and honestly, for me, the majority of time when I read through scriptures, I skip over these words, right? Because the prayer of Habakkuk, I understand. And then it says, on Shijanoth. And I'm like, what is Shijanoth, right? I'm thinking, is it like a mountain, like Mount Shijanoth? He's praying. I have no idea what Shijanoth is. But here's the thing, is that when we don't understand Sometimes what some of the words mean in scriptures, man, we miss, I think if I was to retitle my message today, I would call it like, what the shijanoth or something. <laughs> because what does shijanoth mean? I'll tell you what it means. It's the plural of the word shijin, right? <laughs> That's about as much as I know about, no, just, I'm just kidding. So the word shijanath is, is it's only used one time in scripture. And the word shijin, which is the root word, is also only used one time. And it's used in the book of Psalms chapter 7. And, and so really for, for, you know, some words are used a lot in scripture. And so we understand them. There's really little that's known about this. But what we do know is this is a musical term. Okay. So this is the prayer of Habakkuk, but it, it, it's a prayer but he's kind of turning it into a, a song. And the word shijanath is essentially an instruction to the people of Israel on how this song that Habakkuk is about to pray, how this song is supposed to be sung. Okay, it would be like if you got into a music studio and you handed somebody the lyrics to a song and you said, sing this song like a love song. Or sing this song with a little bit of like jazz flair. Or, or this is a hip hop song. How many of you know that depending on how the song is supposed to be sung, you can use the same words, but the emotion, the feeling of it is different. So let's talk about this word shijanov. Because up until this point... Everything in Israel is going wrong. The leaders are bad. The people are bad. The armies that are gathering outside of the walls are bad. And Habakkuk tells them, here's the song you're going to sing. And here's how you're going to sing it. The word shijanath means strong emotion. Impassioned exuberance. It means Wild, passionate singing with rapid changes of rhythm. It means high-spirited praise or vigorous enthusiasm. I read a commentary, and the commentary said this, that it's not a whiny, cry-in-your-beer, lament country ballad. 
but it's a praise that's punctuated with exclamation marks. So this is not a lamenting prayer, weeping to God, hoping that one day God... No, this is a prayer that's being sung with exclamation points. And so chapter 3 then is Habakkuk singing or praying this high-spirited, high-emotion, vigorously enthusiastic praise. But catch this, it's a praise that's coming before the provision. You see, in scripture, a lot of the times we see, and even in our own lives, we experience a vigorous praise. But the vigorous praise comes after. I'd like to submit this morning that sometimes the most authentic and passionate praise is a praise that comes before. Come on, because this is a praise that's strictly based on faith and trust in the nature of God, right? This is a different kind of praise because it's not a praise that's based off of what God did. Because it's easy to praise when someone does something nice. Shijanath is a praise because of who God is. You see, it's not a praise because I feel like I'm going up. This is a, you know, Psalms chapter 30 kind of praise where I'm praising because I know that though I'm mourning now, the Bible says there will be dancing that's coming, right? It's a praise that it's hard now. But I know that our God works all things out for the good of those who love him and who are called according to his purposes. So this is what it says then. This is the the beginning of Shijanath. Habakkuk chapter 3 verse 2 says this, Lord, I have heard of your fame. Because in Habakkuk's life, he had not seen the goodness of God. He had seen a desolate, destitute civilization. And he said, I've heard of your fame and stand in awe of your deeds, Lord. And then he says, repeat them in our day. In our time, make them known. In wrath, remember mercy. You see, this scripture reminds me of, you know, that song that came out of Elevation Church. And it says, you know, I've seen you move. Come move the mountains. And I believe I'll see you do it again. What you made a way, I remember you made a way where there was no way, and I believe. Listen, I may not have seen it in my life, but I believe, what? I'll see you do it again. Right? This is Habakkuk saying, God, I know I've heard of all that you can do. I know your power. And this prayer is a prayer of praise with exclamation points as I say, God, do it again. See, I'm not getting lost in what's wrong. I'm not getting lost in my negative emotions. I'm not getting lost in the complexity or the impossibility of the situation. Instead, I'm going to praise with exclamation points because I believe 
in your nature. So here's the question. What do we do when we know that God's nature is to go up? Right? I, don't think, I don't think that I have to convince anybody in here that God's desire for us, clearly laid out in Scripture in passage after passage, from Genesis chapter 1 to the end of maps, God has clearly laid out for us, his intention for us is to go up. But what do we do when up feels like down? What do we do in the process of going from mountaintop to mountaintop when we find ourselves in the valley? What do we do when we see something with our eyes that's different than what we know to be true in our hearts? Because I think this question, more than anything, plagues us as believers. Because I can read about the miraculous overcoming power of God. And yet, I'm in a situation, I need his help, and seemingly, with my natural eyes, it would seem as though he's nowhere to be found. I want to use the book of Habakkuk to talk to us about what we do. And the first thing that we have to do, and we see it written in Habakkuk chapter 3, verse 2, as he says, I've heard of your fame and stand in awe of your deeds. Repeat them in our day. The first thing I would submit that we do in our season when up feels like down is we have to remember the goodness and the faithfulness of God. This is what it says in chapter 3. It says, God came from Taman, the Holy One from Mount Paran. His glory covered the heavens, and His praise filled the earth. Now, oftentimes we could pass over the scripture if we don't know where Taman or Paran is, but this means something to Habakkuk. He's not talking about something he sees with his eyes right now. He's remembering or recalling that these two places, Taman and Paran, are two places that God took his people for refuge after he delivered them from Egyptian bondage. So he's not recalling some amazing event that he experienced. No, he's recalling something that he heard his father's 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 father experience thousands of years earlier, and he's remembering them for the expressed purpose of reminding himself this is God's nature. So he's saying, listen, I remember. I remember where there was no way out. I remember the generations and decades and and centuries of slavery. I remember when we were slaves. I remember when God miraculously changed the heart of Pharaoh. I remember the Red Sea on one side, the army on the other side, the mountain on the other side. And I remember when God did the impossible and parts the Red Sea. He's saying, God, I remember your faithfulness. I remember your goodness. I remember your justice. I remember your presence. He's reminding himself. Because what? His eyes are seeing something different than he knows in his heart to be true. 
And this is what he does in chapter 7 all the way through to chapter 15, or, or verse 7 to verse 15. Habakkuk continues to remember all of the things that God did. But can I tell you something? There's one thing that I know to be true. In the life of Habakkuk, as in the life of us, he could have also remembered other things. Because this is something that I know. For every valley we have experienced, we have experienced an equal amount of mountaintops. And for some reason, our valley, the valley we are currently in, seems deeper or longer or harder than any of the other valleys, even though the previous valley we experienced also felt deeper and harder. And yet the last valley we had, we experienced a mountaintop, but sometimes we forget. When we're in our mountain, in our, our valley seasons, that we've been here before. It felt impossible before. It seemed like there was no way out before. And this is the thing in our lives is that Habakkuk recalls this account of God delivering them from Egypt. But he could have remembered, what, bread from heaven. He could have remembered when the ravens brought food. He could have remembered when they were thirsty and God sent water from the rock. He could have remembered on the mountain when God sends fire from heaven. He could have remembered in Joshua's life when he caused the mountain, the, the sun to stand still, or in Daniel's life when he shut the mouths of the lions, or with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, even though they were thrown in a fiery furnace that was 10 times hotter. He could have remembered the times when he raised the dead, or in the life of Isaiah when he brought the dry bones to life. I realize that sometimes when you're in the valley, we simply have to remember what God has done. Yeah. Here's the thing for you, it might be a verse in the Bible that you read. It may be a song that you sung this morning in church that you has sparked a memory of a time before when God did something amazing. It may be that time that somebody, Pastor Jeremy or Lati, prayed for you and you felt comforted and strengthened and it reminded you of the goodness of God. It may be a time that you look back when God provided for you when it seemed as though there was no way of having provision, when you were protected in a time of danger, when you were comforted in a time of tragedy, when God directed you and moved you and somehow turned good out of a bad situation. You did it before. Now I know that you can do it again. What? It's a praise before the provision. It's my ability to say, I don't actually need to see something with my eyes to believe it in my heart. I know that if you did it before, you could do it again. Yeah. Yeah. So number one, we have to remember. And number two, I'll tell you what it's not. It is not to endure. I think that sometimes we feel that we simply have to just endure the hardships. If I could just make it through the difficult season and endure the weight of the crushing pain that Number one is to remember. Number two is to embrace. You see, to Habakkuk, it felt like 
the enemies, his enemies, the Babylonians, they were winning. Right? And this is bad, this is bad news. Right? I mean, if you read it historically who the Babylonians were, they were the worst of the worst. Like Israel at this time was bad, but the Babylonians, like, you know, they took the cake. Like if there was something bad to do, they did it and they exploited it to the most intense extreme. And Habakkuk in this moment knows, right, this is bad, but he knows it's about to get worse. Come on, that's a challenge. He's lamenting in chapter 1 because of what's wrong in Israel. And God says, listen, I'm going to answer your prayer and fix what's in Israel by having the Babylonians come and take over and kill everybody and make them slaves. This is the answer to your prayer. He knows it's bad now. And he knows it's about to get significantly worse. And yet we see him embrace this moment and in chapter 3 boldly declares, I know it's about to get worse, but my God is still on the throne. He says, my God has always been good. My God has always been faithful. Listen, it's not a response of gratitude, of thanksgiving, of praise, because God is about to do something good. Come on, this is challenge. This is why people don't preach out of the book of Habakkuk. Because we like to say, it's bad and it's going to get better. And because I know it's going to get better. But Habakkuk says, listen, this is Shijanoth. This is praise before, before. This is praise when I know it's going to get worse. This is praise when I know in my lifetime, I may never see the fulfillment of the thing that I would like to see. And he says, my God has always been good. Listen, I don't have to understand in my natural limited ability to understand the complex depths of the goodness of God. Need God to fit into my little box. And if you can fit in here, this means you're good and everything else means. He says, you've always been good. Sometimes I don't get how this is good. <laughs> and sometimes that's my prayer to God. God, this is ridiculous. And I hate every minute of it. And I don't know how this is good, but I know you're good. So <laughs> I'm going to roll with it. Now, let me tell you, this isn't some superficial state of denial. Okay. This isn't just like pretending that everything is going to be okay. This is 
the boldness to look the bad news in the face and boldly declare, it doesn't matter how bad you get, I still trust my father. It doesn't matter how he chooses to answer this prayer. It doesn't matter if it even gets better in my lifetime. I believe that you are good. I believe your nature doesn't change. I believe your word is forever faithful. Listen, this is Shijanoff. This is, I don't need to see the provision before I praise my father. And you see him say this in Habakkuk chapter 3. It's not a superficial state of denial. He says this in chapter 16. He says, in verse 16, he says, I heard, right? I heard that the Babylonian, God's going to send the Babylonians in. And he says, my heart pounded. Right now, this isn't like my heart pounded because he knows there's going to be a lot of really attractive Babylonian women. And so he's like, ba bum ba bum That's not why his heart is pounding. His heart is pounding because he's terrified of what is about to happen. He says, my lips quivered at the sound. Decay crept into my bones and my legs trembled. I mean, try to sing that with passionate exuberance, right? You probably got all the people in the crowd being like, how how is we supposed to make this sound good? But he says this, yet I will wait patiently for the day of calamity to come on the nation invading us. He's saying, I know it's going to be brutal. I know that many people are going to die. I know that people are going to fall into slavery. I know that children are going to suffer. I know there's going to be bloodshed. But my faith and my trust in you is so deep that I can wade through all of the challenge and patiently wait for the day when calamity comes on the nation invading us. He says this in 17, though the fig tree does not bud and there are no grapes on the vines, though, no olive crop, though the olive crop fails and the fields produce no food, though there are no sheep in the pen, no cattle in the stalls, this may be you saying, though my child is sick, though my prayers don't seem that they've been answered, though I don't see a way, though I still need a job, though my marriage is in shambles, though I'm hurting in my body, though I've lost something and I don't understand, though I cry my eyes out daily, verse 18 says, yet I will rejoice in the Lord and I'll be joyful in God my Savior. Why? Because circumstances cannot shake my faith. Listen, my faith is not ankle deep. It's not the knee deep kind of faith. It's not the shallow soil kind of faith. No, listen, I have the kind of faith that has been tried in the fire, that knows no matter how bad it can get, the goodness of my father never changes. This is something we need to catch. Like, listen, is there bad stuff happening in the world? Yes. Are there bad people in the world? Yes. Is there trouble and challenge and issues and sickness and poverty and injustice? Yes, 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 double yes. And this is what Habakkuk says. He says, listen, I have a dozen reasons. 
I don't get to look anywhere beyond my front door to give me a dozen reasons why I shouldn't rejoice, yet I still trust in the Lord. And so this is what Habakkuk says. He says, we wrestle and we embrace. We wrestle because oftentimes we're going to go through things that we don't understand why we're going through them. And so we wrestle with it. We wrestle with the Lord. You, we get angry at God. We get frustrated. We get confused. We doubt. But then we embrace. I wrestle. But I embrace you because though it seems that there is no way, I know you're the God who makes a way. You know, that's really been my year. Danielle and I are going to write a book about this year. And it's going to be called something like, oh, crap. You know? (laughs) (laughs) And I know it's not just me. I know that all of us, we've gone through COVID. Maybe you lost your job. Maybe your family has struggled. Maybe you experienced severe depression. You don't understand but you're also not letting go. See, I don't need to understand the situation when I know the nature of my father. Listen, it may not seem good. It may not feel good. Maybe everybody around you is telling you that it's not good. Maybe you're like Job and even your spouse is telling you to quit and curse God. But you see, there's something different. This is Shijanath. This is, it's not a half-hearted, half-to song of praise to God. It's a praise that's mustered up out of the depths of my soul. It's a faith that worships when everything feels upside down. It's a faith that believes that though it does not see a way, God makes a way. It's a cry of my heart that declares praise for my God, not in spite of my pain, but in the middle of it. This is praise with Shijanath. It's praise before. It's praise with exclamation marks, even though... You can't see the way. Because you see, it's not praise for what God did. It's praise for who God is. You see, and this is what, this is what the prophet Habakkuk's name actually means. It means to wrestle and to embrace. It means I don't understand. And I am angry. I'm afraid I'm hurting, but I still trust you. It doesn't make sense, but I still trust. You see, and Habakkuk doesn't resolve with making the best out of a bad situation. It's deeper than that. It's not good in his life, and he's terrified. He's terrified. 
It says there's no grapes on the vine. There's no food to eat. There's no comfort anywhere. But he says the Lord is still in the temple. And because he's still in the temple, he is worthy of my praise. Because you see, God doesn't, and through the end of the book, for all that we know, God never does what Habakkuk wants him to do. Where like, this isn't like a rom-com kind of a book where it's like, you know, guy meets girl, guy does something dumb and girl leaves him. And then at the end of the book, they realize, oh, we love each other and everything is okay. This is how the chapter comes to a close. It says, the sovereign Lord is my strength. Come on, this is, this is in the middle of going to God with bad news and hearing God's response to your bad news with worse news. <laughs> he says, the Lord is my strength. He makes my feet like the feet of a deer. He enables me to tread on the high places. What does that mean? What the prophet Habakkuk is saying is that God is my strength and he is my sure footing in my times of challenge. I don't need situations to line up to make sure that I got the next place to step. Right, But I'm going to be like the deer who doesn't need to see where he's going. He is innately programmed to understand how to put his back legs right where his front legs were. So though it seems shaking, he says, I will tread on the heights. It's bad and it's going to get worse. But I tread on the heights. He is my sure footing. Not the stuff, not the money, not the job, not the situation. Not that everything turns out to be good. He is his nature, his goodness, his faithfulness. The fact that he has proved himself in my life time and time and time again. God, I remember if you did it before, you could do it again. And that is my strong foundation. This is the truth, church. We love the mountaintops. Listen, there's nobody in here that loves a good promotion, benefit, increase, hand up. I love to go up. But I've learned something. We learn to trust him in the valleys. Let me tell you, some of you need to praise God even if you don't see it, even if you don't feel it. We need to praise God when he's taking you up and you know somehow this is up, but dear Jesus, it feels down. But we need to praise him not just for what we see, not just for what we don't see, but we praise him because of who he is. We praise him not because everything is right, because I got news for you. Maybe you haven't realized this, but it's never that everything is right. Something is always wrong. But I praise him because I trust him. I don't trust the circumstances. I don't trust the government. 
I don't trust the banks. I don't trust my bank account. I don't trust how healthy my body seems. No, I, I trust. Why? Because I've been in the valley before with him. This isn't the first time I've gone through the valley of the shadow of death. In fact, at this point in my life, I'm getting pretty good. <laughs> no, I praise because I I believe in something that's deeper than the superficial world that I see. This is what I came to tell you, that you can't have chapter three faith. You can't have Shijanoth without the wondering of chapter one and the wrestling of chapter two. See, we want to go deep. But the door to the deep is the wrestling, is the wondering. So what do we do when up feels like down? What do we do when we have a whole month series dedicated to, we're going up! You're like, I hate all you stupid people because I'm not going up. I'm going down. What do we do when it feels like nothing is going right? What do we do when it seems bad and we know it's only going to continue to get worse? What do we do when we can't see the way and all we see is that there's no way? What do we do when we get the impossible news, the, the, the news that the situation is impossible? Habakkuk tells us we remember the goodness of God. We embrace him. And though we may wrestle, we will never, ever, ever, no matter what comes our way, no matter how challenging it gets, no matter how many people say and how many people do, yes, I will wrestle. But I will never, ever let go. So, Father, this morning as we sit online, in Buffalo, in this room. Here's the truth. We are all going through stuff. Man, and we put on our nicest clothes and our biggest smiles. But we all got things. Where it seems like there's no way. There's no way out of this, and there is no way forward. We all sit with those situations. We've lost loved ones. We've gone through challenging situations. Our kids are on drugs, and our life feels like it's falling apart. And often we sit and we wonder, where are you? But Lord, it's these moments, it's these words that we sit. And we say, I don't have to understand to believe that you're good. Lord, right now in this room and all across the internet, would you let your presence just rest heavy on us? Rest on us to remember 
rest on us to embrace, to know that you're good, to remember all that you have done. We thank you for that in Jesus' name.